Hey, I'm Justin Anderson, lead pastor at Icon Church. Thanks so much for joining us today, wherever you are to listen to or watch this message. We are in the middle of a series called A Rule for Life, Finding Peace in an Anxious World. And as we are recording these sermons live, we are in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, which is creating a lot of anxiety for people and we have never needed peace more. But no matter where you are or when you are engaging this content, we are always in need of peace and God has provided a path to peace for us through spiritual disciplines. And that's what we're exploring during this series. So I encourage you uh, to go to iconchurch.org slash rule for life for more resources, more content, and more information. Okay, let's get into this Sunday's sermon. Uh, we're doing something a little unique, as you can tell. There's <laughs> someone else here, and, uh, and I am aware that she's here. She didn't just <laughs> sneak good. up on me. Uh, this is Alona. You know her from announcements, uh, but she is joining us this Sunday to help me uh, talk about the fact that peace needs a pause. So right. here's what we're doing uh, today. We are talking specifically about the spiritual discipline of Sabbath, mm -hmm. but Sabbath is not a practice that exists kind of on its own. Sabbath, best practiced, um, is paired with um, a really robust sense of vocation, right? Or work, right? A good theology of work and work ethic allows us to Sabbath really well. So this is what we're going to do. Alona has done a bunch of work on Sabbath over the last couple of years. And so mm -hmm. I asked her to kind of bring some of the Sabbath perspective. And I have spent the last several years working a lot on work and vocation and a theology of work. And so mm -hmm. we're going to kind of team teach this thing together today and, uh, and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Here we go. I'm mildly <laughs> optimistic. So um, I want to start with this. Um, the idea of work has been um, one of the, the kind of the great joys of the last couple of years for me to mm. think biblically and theologically about work, what the scriptures say about work and, and how to figure all of that out. It has also been the source of greatest tension in my marriage, right? So mm -hmm. the number one argument that Emily and I have gotten into over our nearly 15 years of marriage is my work and my schedule and when I'm home and when I'm at work and when I'm doing what, because uh, all of our work has the temptation to kind of bleed into the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would say ministry maybe more than many right? Other kinds of jobs because you're never not working really. Yeah. Like I'm never not pastor Justin. So if I'm running down the street, getting my workout in and somebody drives by in a car, they yell, Hey, pastor Justin. And I'm like, Hey, I'm just an athlete. Just like everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Right like now. everybody else. But it just doesn't work that way. Right? Like uh, that's just part of my life. Ministry is part of life. So separating what is work time and what is family time or mm -hmm. leisure time is is really one of the big challenges. And so one of the ways that I have thought about this more recently is having a box, right? And so I have a box that is my work box and that the edges of that box are really well defined. And I'm someone who really likes a schedule, really likes black and mm -hmm. white. And so I need a box. I need a start time. I need an end time. And when things start to get mushy and bleed a little bit, that's, that's the worst, right? So the phrase that I like to use is I need to rock the box, right? Like stay inside the box, mm -hmm. work as hard as I can as uh, while I'm in the box. And then when I'm outside, I'm done. And so a phrase that I 
coined this week that Alona vetoed was <laughs> that in order to work and Sabbath well, that we should rock the box and kill the chill. That's as best as he got, folks. <laughs> I think it's fantastic. But, uh, I, and I'll just say, use it if you will. Rock the box. Or don't. <laughs> kill the chill. So these two things have to go together. So we want to work hard while we're working and work mm -hmm. well, not just hard. We'll talk about what it means to work well. Yeah. But then we need to stop. And so the, the title of this week's message is Peace Needs a Pause, mm -hmm. right? And, and I'll say, like, I came up with that title, but it's a bit of a misnomer, right? Because Sabbath isn't just the negative of right. not working. Mm -hmm. It's much more than that. So with that, uh, Alona, talk a little bit about what you have learned and what your journey with Sabbath has been over the last couple of years. Yeah, because I can definitely empathize a lot with, I want to rock the box. I'll, I'll do that part of That's your good. phrase. That's good. <laughs> That's about all I'll do. so good. <laughs> so I'll rock the box, but I think the hardest part for me became when do I stop uh, and trying to find a good discipline of how to make that happen. And that's when kind of my journey with figuring out what an authentic Sabbath really looked like. And I think tragically for me, it meant getting to a point of like, I was so burned out. I was a high school English teacher for a number of years and got to the point in my teaching career where I was just spent, like I was exhausted. Uh, and kind of out of necessity needed to learn how to find healthy rhythms of rest. Uh, and that for me became that important distinction between Sabbath is not just not working, it's a whole other posture of delight and worship and, and beyond just getting re-energized and rejuvenated to be able to work well, again, not just work hard, but work well. Sabbath is also that bigger picture of how do I uh, find joy and celebrate in the life that I have, take delight in the things that are in front of me. Uh, and it's been that really important process for me of, of figuring out that nuance, because I think it's one thing to have a day off. And it's a very different thing to actually Sabbath. Uh, and so I think for me, it's been a really, really cool journey to figure out what it looks like to not just take a day off and make sure that I'm, I'm sleeping and I'm, I'm catching up on rest, but it, to have a different kind of mentally, even emotional posture in that day of, of gratitude, of contemplation mm -hmm. uh, and realizing like there's so much more than just stopping work. Like that's this tiny piece of Sabbath. Yes. Um, Pete scazzaro has got this great frame of like, stop, rest, delight, and contemplate. That's mm. the way to think about Sabbath. So stopping is part of it, yeah. but it's a small part of what a real Sabbath actually can look like. Yeah, so you might call it killing the chill. <laughs> you might, or you might, you might not. You might. Um, so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go back and forth, and uh, one of the frameworks we've been using for this whole series is the relational, formational, and missional mm -hmm. framework. So we're gonna talk about how work is relational, formational, and missional, and Sabbath is relational, formational, and missional, and how they, they kind of need each other, right? Yeah. Like they are best, Sabbath is at its best when you've worked well, and you can work well when you've Sabbathed well. So we're gonna say it like this. We find peace when we work with God and rest with God, mm -hmm. when we work like God and rest like God, and that when we work for God, and rest for God. Okay, mm -hmm. so that's what we're gonna talk about. We're gonna kind of go back and forth. We're gonna start with relational. So turn to Genesis chapter one, verses 26 through 28. Uh, this is a go-to passage in scripture for me for any number of reasons. It is one of the foundational texts mm -hmm. that, that Christians build a lot of our theology on and, uh, and, and specifically when it comes to work. So Genesis one uh, should be on about the first page of your Bible, okay? Uh, Verse 26, 
says, then God says, this is day six, right? God's creating the world. He says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image after our likeness. So God is making humanity in his own image or icon. <laughs> icon. That's where we get our name, that he's making us as icons, as reflections of him, as his image bearers. Mm -hmm. And he says this. This is the first thing he says and let them have dominion mm -hmm. over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, okay? So the first thing God says about mankind is that we are his icons, that we are made in his image. The second thing he says that flows directly out of that idea is that we are to have dominion over all of God's creation. We'll talk mm -hmm. about what that means here in a moment. So verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So we are both, not just men are image bearers of God, but men and women together bear God's image and are his icons. Verse 28, and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is our job, right? Mm -hmm. This is the vocation. This is the purpose that God gave mankind from the very beginning to have dominion over, which means to care for, to cultivate and to co-create with God. God gave us a job from day one, right? And if we remember, we've been talking about this through this whole series, that we were made for relationship with God. This yeah. is the, the greatest commandment, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so the very nature of our creation is to be in relationship with God, right. to bear his image, to reflect him as his icons, and in so doing, to work, to have dominion, care for, mm -hmm. cultivate, and create all of God's creation. So this is this is all kind of tied together, our relationship with God and the way in which we work alongside him mm -hmm. in his ongoing cultivation, creation, uh, and care for the world. Now, C.S. Lewis is a guy that I like. Not sure I've mentioned that like before. Like a little bit. <laughs> um, in, in his book, The Four Loves, talks about friendship in this really mm -hmm. cool way that relates to work. He says this. He says, it is when you are doing things together that friendship springs up. Painting, sailing ships, praying, philosophizing, and fighting, hear this, shoulder to shoulder. Friends look in the same direction. Oh man, I love that. Yeah. That is that I, mm -hmm. that encapsulates so much of what my experience of friendship has been. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll speak as a guy specifically. Like I think guys relate really well shoulder to shoulder, uh, maybe sometimes better than we do face to face, right? Sure. And and uh, so just this week, uh, Joe, Coach Joe Lednicki from Emerald City CrossFit, <laughs> shout out, big shout out, <laughs> uh, who is is my CrossFit coach. We went out to the track this week with another guy from the gym and we did a workout together. It was horrible, uh, but, but <laughs> it, was, it, it was, yeah. Uh, and, but it was, it was so fun. Like I, we, we were always six to 12 feet away from each other, sweating at great distances, but <laughs> it was awesome. Like, and, and it was, it was a reminder of like, oh yeah, I love this. This is why people work out together because you, you know, it's not sitting across a coffee with your latte going, tell me about your feelings or something. Which, which is, is fine. 
which is totally fine. And good catch. It's great to do things shoulder to shoulder as yeah. well. And mm-hmm. so uh, let me tie this back to Genesis 1. When God calls us to have dominion, mm-hmm. he's calling us to stand shoulder to shoulder with him with his work in the world. That as we bear his image and work in his world, we are working alongside of God. Mm-hmm. This is amazing, yeah. right? So when we are uh, at our workplace, uh, wherever that may be, and whatever kind of work we're doing, whether it's really physical or more mental kind of work, we, we can envision ourselves and we can actually very practically do our work in constant relationship with God. We'll talk a little bit more about yeah. what that looks like here in a bit. But tell me, what is the relationship side of Sabbath look like? Yeah, absolutely. I think, again, if we come back to that Genesis account, the fact that like God himself rests is a big indicator of like, this is what we need to do. And it's what I think enables us in working side by side, shoulder to shoulder with God, uh, that that continues in resting side by side and in enjoying and delighting in life with him. Um, at the end of Genesis 1, so you have Genesis 1:31. Uh, it says that God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. Again, talk about the difference of like Sabbath is not just a day off. It's a day to celebrate the goodness of what you've created. And again, doing that relationally with God is is a posture where you get to look at uh, everything that he has given you, like the to have a posture of gratitude, to see the gifts that you've been given, the talents that even enabled you to do the work that you did that week. Like Sabbath is a posture that enables you to celebrate that. And again, doing that with God, like there's a difference of um, my own prideful celebration of like, wow, look how much I accomplished this week. I'm killing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, versus the the stepping back to say like, wow, God, look at how much you enabled. Look how you sustained me in this week in the way that I was doing that work. Like Sabbath is that that weekly reminder to have that practice of gratitude. Um, and I think it's significant. So again, continuing on in Genesis in chapter two, uh, on the seventh day, God finished his work and all that he had done, he rested on the seventh day from all his work and God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Like he himself is the one uh, that sees the value of that. And so it's kind of that, that idea of like relationally, I'm, I'm also honoring and, and establishing as valuable the thing that God values. Yeah. Like it's an opportunity to celebrate in that together. And um, yeah, thinking about that idea of like the, the good hard work is what also enables the good rest. And um, thinking a lot about that idea of like when we work really hard side by side with other people, we also rest really well together. And I was thinking about this this week of an unfortunately timed move where I had to like pack up and then paint a house. And thinking about like, yeah, when when the roommates and I sat down after like laboring all day painting walls and got to have this moment together, like we did hard work side by side. And then the rest after that was also so enjoyable because we we understand the value and the significance of what each other did and who better to understand the, the like eternal significance of our work than God. Yeah. So Sabbath is the opportunity to relationally be doing that together. Yeah, that's awesome. So um, we do these things together relationally, not only with God, but with each other. And I, I think this is the part of this, uh, this kind of work in Sabbath rhythm that is maybe the most intuitive, mm-hmm. right? Like we know that we're, we're doing this stuff in community. We've experienced both the hard work and the laying around after you do the hard work and celebrating, yeah. right? Uh, me working out with Joe and then laying on the turf, trying not to die together. Uh, <laughs> together. Is, is just, it's valuable. It's super important time. So now I want to I shift to the formational side of it, right? Because um, I think this is a little bit harder for us, at least on the vocation mm-hmm. side, to mm-hmm. fully understand how our work could shape 
us, right? And can shape our, uh, our character, shape our being. And this is where yeah. I want to turn to one of my favorite books, uh, which is called The Practice of the Presence of God uh, by a guy named Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence was this little monk. Uh, I don't know if he was actually little, but we'll call him little. <laughs> he was this monk, kind of a nobody, who just got famous for, for his prayer life, got famous mm -hmm. for his, his ability to kind of live and work in the presence of God. And so for Brother Lawrence, work is spiritual formation in the sense that it is a way for us to live mm -hmm. for God and to live for others. That work done well is activity aimed, right? So think about that. Like our work is activity aimed at glorifying God and bringing real good and real value to the people around us. So as we do that and we can think about our work aimed to glorifying God and to bring real value to yeah. the people, you know, our customers and coworkers, then that in turn kind of forms us and shapes us into the kind of person who is not thinking about ourselves, right? And this is mm -hmm. something Brother Lawrence does a great job of talking about, right? So it says this, says he had, talking about Brother Lawrence, he had resolved to make loving God the purpose of everything he did. Mm -hmm. I'm going to come back to that. This way of relating to God brought full satisfaction. Even picking up straw gladdened his heart. For reaching down to the ground to get the straw, if done to show love to God, made mm -hmm. him happy. It says the clue, loving God and nothing else, not even God's gifts, which is remarkable, right? Yeah. Like as a monk, he was largely doing menial tasks, you know, physical labor. And he says they got down to the point where he says, even picking up a, a piece of straw off the ground in the kitchens, right? Because he worked mostly in the kitchens. Even that act became an act of love for God mm -hmm. because he was thinking about God. He was, he was considering it and purposing in his heart to, to make that simple act an, uh, an act of love for God. Now, mm -hmm. I want to go back to the thing it said in the beginning. And, and the whole practice of the presence of God is another monk writing about Brother Lawrence as a result of some interviews with him. So he says, he had resolved to make loving God the purpose of everything he did. Now, I read that, I underlined it, and I wrote in the margins, impossible, right? <laughs> It seems impossible sure. to make loving God the purpose of everything he did. But here's what's not impossible. What's not impossible is to resolve to make loving God the purpose of everything he did. Mm -hmm. That's something that any of us can do, sure. right? Yeah. So when Brother Lawrence says, I, I resolved, I made a point in my heart that everything I did was going to be done out of love for God. Now, did he always, in every, every piece of straw, did he do out of love for God? No. <laughs> Cause he's just a little monk, right? Like he's not perfect. He's not Jesus. He's just figuring stuff out. Sure. But what he can do and what we can do is to resolve mm -hmm. to make loving God the purpose of all of our activity. And that's, that's something that, uh, that, that causes us to then focus our hearts, focus our minds, focus our focus, right? Like to pick a reason why we are doing a thing Absolutely. that isn't about, well, I'm going to pick up the straw or whatever the equivalent is, write the code uh, for myself mm -hmm. or for a promotion or for my business or for whatever. But we can say, no, first and foremost, I'm going to resolve in my heart that this, this act of love, this act of work is going to be an act of love 
for God. Mm -hmm. Now, later he says this, our sanctification does not depend on changing the way we do things, but doing for God what we normally do for ourselves, right? That's the end of it, yeah. right? When you resolve in your heart to make loving God the purpose of everything that you do, then you're able to see that sanctification, or that, that's the fancy word for growing in your faith and mm -hmm. growing in your iconness, right? Fully becoming who you were made to be. Yeah. It's, it's not the result of fully changing your behavior, changing your life, changing everything about you, but taking everything that you do and aiming it, resolving in your heart to aim it at God. Mm -hmm. Paul says something similar in Colossians chapter three. He says, whatever you do, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. Mm -hmm. You are serving the Lord Christ, whatever you do. So I, I don't care what your job is, honestly. I don't care if you get paid for it or not. You're a volunteer, you're a mom, I, doesn't matter. Whatever you do, you're a student, you work for Christ. You work for the Lord. And so there, there's this moment of decision that we make to go, I resolve. I am gonna, I'm gonna keep that in the forefront of my mind. I'm gonna orient my heart. I'm gonna aim my activity yeah. at loving God. So mm -hmm. I, I think maybe because work is proactive and it's and it's at, like it's a thing that we're doing, mm -hmm. um, it, it's easier for me to understand how that can be kind of aimed at God. How do mm -hmm. we do that in Sabbath? Yeah, I think to that piece of like this being formational, the goal of Sabbath again, to be that as part of the formational part, it's making us more like Christ. Um, I think it's important to remind ourselves like when this was instituted as a biblical command as part of the Ten Commandments like that also was meant to be formational. So we look at in Exodus 20 the first time uh, the Ten Commandments are given um, Moses says to the people remember the Sabbath and keep it holy six days you shall labor and do all your work but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work you or your son or your daughter your male servant or your female servant or your livestock cares about the cows mm -hmm. or the sojourner who is, in with, who is within your gates uh, and then reminds us of Genesis for in the six days the Lord made heaven and earth the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day and so this reminder of like God obviously knew enough to know like we need this as a command to shape us and form us and like the whole idea of this series of a rule for life we've acknowledged that like we need the, those structures and those limits to form us to shape us and that the institution of Sabbath is meant to do that. There's something in reigning in our production and our consumption that Sabbath does that actually helps shape us into people um, that can be more like God and act more like God. And I think um, recognizing like from the beginning, this has been countercultural. And yeah. so uh, while like Sabbath might feel to the like contrast of work, maybe more passive because you're not actively working. I think the idea of, again, what we do instead, like, that it's countercultural because we're not taking advantage of that extra day of production to get another project done, to make another deadline. Um, but in that, in that rest, that something is communicated. Like as much as it might not feel as active in terms of getting something done, the again, the delight, the celebration, the contemplation that Sabbath offers, uh, I think is really important. And again, to that formational side, Sabbath in that reigning in and putting limits on ourselves uh, is a reminder. It forms us into people that remember like my true joy and value don't come from my work. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Like, and I think for me as a person who is a borderline workaholic, uh, that there's a, there's a lot to be said for putting on that limit and reminding myself, like, this isn't, this isn't where I get my value. Back to, like, I'm an icon of God, and I, I don't get my value because God gave me a task. Like, God gave me inherent human dignity mm-hmm. in, in his image. Yep. And so I don't turn to work. I don't turn to production as a way to find value. Sabbath is something that forms me into the person that knows I have value regardless. Um, and again, reminds me like I, I'm a human, not a machine. Like Sabbath is forming me into a person, again, and noticing my limits and knowing where I need to, to stop and have a boundary. Uh, it reminds me like there's, there's a point where I need to stop. And I think uh, reminding ourselves like it is God who sustains mm-hmm. is the inherent formation of Sabbath. Like, yeah. I can't do it on my own. I never could do it on my own. And if anything, that seventh day each week is this climactic moment to remember, I didn't sustain the other six days anyway. Mm-hmm. Like whatever delusion I was under that I was really the one driving the work production, it's that pause to remember like, it actually wasn't me yeah. at any point. And Sabbath is just that healthy like rhythm of a reminder to say, God is the one who sustained. And so it forms me into a person that can pause and let go, like have the the distance and the delight in that moment to say, it wasn't me, it was God from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And I can just enjoy being that co-laborer with him and not need to continue to, to strive out of some like identity seeking. Yeah, well, it occurs to me too, in Genesis two, when God looks out over all of his creation and says it was very good, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't know how often I am able to look out, look back on my, you know, previous six days of work and go, that was very good. So much so that I can now, Mm. you know, turn. But what I can do and what I have to do when you talk about acknowledging our limits is to say, that's as good as I can do. Hmm. And and that yeah. I mean just admitting like I'm not God it's not going to be perfect yeah it's not going to get all done and I'm going to say I'm done yeah because that I'm I'm not God yeah. I, I'm me and and uh, and that's good enough I guess yeah because that's all I got <laughs> yes all right so missional let's uh, let's wrap this up. So we've been talking through this whole series that a rule of life isn't for you, but it's meant to form you Mm -hmm. because you're not for you, right? That you exist, you and I exist, Mm -hmm. and you all out there exist for God and others. That you exist for relationship with God and to love others. So love God and love others. And so when we talk about being with God in the relational piece so that we can be like God and Mm -hmm. he can form us, and then we want to act like God. And so we talked we talk at the beginning about how um, when we work with God, we work for God, we work alongside God, we mm-hmm. work, you know, like in relationship with him. It forms us into the kinds of people who can then go out and do kind of good work that's for God and for our neighbors. Mm-hmm. So. For that, I want to turn back to Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Paul says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Mm -hmm. So what that means is, very quickly, that whatever we're doing out there in terms of our work, it says word or deed, right? Like whatever it is that you're, you're putting your mind to, that we would do it in the name of Jesus. We would do it as a reflection of Jesus, as a reflection of his values, mm-hmm. of, as a reflection of his love for his creation, as a reflection of his love for your coworkers and your customers, as that we would work in yeah. such a way that reflects ultimately our iconness 
which reflects the character and will of God. So a mm -hmm. couple of different categories that I want us to think about this. this is really, really practical stuff, right? First, people. Right, that our work is for people, and that mm -hmm. includes our coworkers and our customers. So we would ask ourselves, how can we relate to our coworkers in a way that loves and supports them rather than looking at them as competition to defeat, right? Or people to use in order to get ahead, but that we would actually position our relationship with our coworkers and the people that work underneath us as, as co-laborers trying to work as a team together to glorify God. Mm -hmm. Whether they want to glorify God or not, that doesn't mean we don't treat them that way, sure. right? So it's not just our coworkers, but it's also our customers, right? That we're considering the way we're interacting. Some of you interact really kind of closely one-to-one -one with customers. Some of you are kind of levels of, of separation, but you can still work on the products and mm -hmm. the services that you do with the end customer in mind, trying to give them something of real value, Absolutely. right? So brings us to the next thing. Not only do we want to think about people, but we want to think about the products themselves. Now, there's this kind of probably apocryphal story about Martin Luther, <laughs> but I like it, so we're gonna pretend it's real, um, where this guy comes up to Luther and says, I just got saved, Luther, Martin, what do I do? Is he James Bond? Yes, Luther, <laughs> Luther Martin. And, uh, and, uh, and, and, and Luther goes, uh, what do you do? And the guy says, I'm a cobbler. That's a shoemaker for you youngins. And uh, he goes, here's what you do. And, and I think the cobbler in this apocryphal story, the apocryphal cobbler, uh, was expecting Luther to give him some like, man, you gotta go study the Bible, you gotta mm -hmm. go be a monk, you gotta go whatever. And Luther says, make a good shoe and sell it at a fair price. Hmm. Simple, right? So whatever you do, make a good shoe and sell it at a fair price. That the products themselves matter, right? Mm -hmm. What you are working yeah. on matters. How you work on that thing matters. The equity that you bring to it for your customer mm -hmm. matters. Like yeah. do good work. And if you're involved in a company or in an industry even, that isn't doing work that, that brings value to people, real value, honoring people's human dignity and selling it at a fair price, I think it's right for us to consider like, am I in the right job? Am yeah. I doing the right kinds of things where I can faithfully do good work for people in a way that honors God and loves people, okay? Mm -hmm. Which brings us to the last piece, right? So we want to think about uh, people, we want to think about products, we also want to think about our system. And this one is a little bit more abstract, but all of us work in industries that have values, right? Mm -hmm. And those industry values, some of them probably line up really well with the kingdom of God. Some of them do not line up really well at all with the kingdom of God. Yeah. And so maybe as we have space in our lives and, and whatever tiny amount of influence you might have in your industry, which may seem way bigger than who you are, that we would begin to think about and pray about the kingdomness of our industry. Absolutely. The degree to which our industry works for and with God, works to the good of our neighbors, mm -hmm. works to honor their human dignity and sell them good products that actually make their lives better, that we would work and pray to that end. So people, products, and your industry, the system within which, that, that all of them have kind of missional implications for your life, especially when we begin to remember like uh, this, this vocation, this work thing, yeah. it's not for me, it's to form me, 
into the kind of person who lives for God and for others. Okay, so what's the missional angle on Sabbath? Yeah, I think anecdotally all of us know that when we aren't rested, we're not going to really be able to do those kind of vocational missional pieces very well. Um, so I think that when we think about rest, we think about what it what it offers us to help posture us towards other people. And I think when we have authentically rested, when we have a good habit of rejoicing and delighting, we then don't bring our workaholism and our anxiety into our workplaces. We don't bring it into our families. Like we're, we're better able to bear the occasionally hard parts of work, like work being toil under the curse at times. Um, but we don't, when we've rested, when we have a good practice of Sabbath, I don't then drag that baggage into every other interaction. Um, and I think that has a lot of implications for us when we think about Sabbath. Um, I think what's, what's striking to me when I read the, the Ten Commandments in Exodus is when um, he's writing and he, and he says again, a Sabbath to your Lord and nobody works, like the sons, the daughters, the servants, like nobody's working. And the idea of when I think about Sabbath, do I Sabbath in such a way that I enable the other people around me to rest. So it's not just Sabbath for me, but it's actually I'm Sabbathing because I want to give other people Sabbath rest as well. Um, and I think there's a lot of implications. So I could think about that as a, as a coworker, thinking about do I rock the box? That's the last time mm -hmm. I can do that. Do I rock the box in a way that enables other people to also get their work done and not have to compensate for the fact that I didn't really do my job? Like I didn't work well enough so that they could also Sabbath and I'm, I'm forcing other people to pick up my slack. I think there's significance to thinking about how I show up to work. I think about that, you could think about it from a boss. Like, do I model for my employees? Like, I want you to work hard, but I'm gonna honor that you need time off as well. I think as a, as a Christian employer, that's probably something to consider is, yeah. do I enable my employees to rest? To kill the chill. Or to rest. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> the idea of, from a family, like to think about, do I rest in such a way that my family can then, again, delight, like Sabbath is supposed to be joyful, it's supposed to be fun. And uh, I once had a mentor kind of posit the question, like, uh, measure how burned out you are by how long you can sustain playing with your three-year-old nephew. Mm. And if you're exhausted five minutes in and you're like, nah, nah, I'm done, like that probably tells you like, you actually, you don't have enough kind of balance and healthy rhythm in your life to be able to show up to the people who need you, who you are who you are supposed to be in relationship with and actually love them well. And so for me, there's kind of that piece of like, do I have enough rest to be able to show in those show up in those places and love people well? Um, and then lastly, to think about even kind of big picture global economic implications for this, um, that our consumption drives systems across the world. And so do I Sabbath in such a way that I'm not forcing other people uh, into systems that are kind of oppressive systems of slavery? And I think for us to think about like, do the, do the things that I do on Sabbath drive that? And I think that's a personal conviction for people to wrestle with. But for me, it became really real to think about like, okay, what, what is it about what I buy or what I do on Sabbath that maybe cultivates a system or, or perpetuates a system that makes it impossible for somebody else to rest? Mm. And so, I mean, strictly for me, it's like, okay, like, so I don't, I don't shop the same way on Sabbath as I used to because I keep in the back of my mind a desire to create a world in which everyone can rest and everyone can Sabbath. So yeah. I think there's a lot of different implications depending on how you think about it. Yeah, that's great. I mean, uh, 
three-year-olds are the worst. So You're not uh, fully wrong. <laughs> so I don't know if that's a great judge all the time. But uh, hey, let's wrap up by going to Revelation chapter 21. Uh, it's the second to last chapter in your Bible. So page last uh, in your Bible, Revelation 21. I'm going to read one through five as a way to kind of uh, to put the, the cap on this idea. So John says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Mm -hmm. The ark of scripture is the ark from garden to city. Right. And that, that, that God's idea is that we will have been cultivating God's earth, caring for, creating, co-creating, cultivating all of this time. The arc of God's redemptive work is towards this beautiful city where mm -hmm. there will be plenty more work for us to do. Right. Like we have an eternity of creating and cultivating and caring for ahead of us mm -hmm. in a city and around the world. Right. Like in God's new world, there will be a foreverness to our work and a satisfaction to it mm -hmm. that we've never experienced. So when we work today and we see ourselves working to God's glory and for the good of those around us, it is also a picture of what forever will look like for us Christians, mm -hmm. right? So that, that, that resolve that Brother Lawrence taught us to do everything in, a way, in such a way as to love God and, and we'll extend it to say also to love neighbor, that that will be our forever job yeah. without like subtracting out all of the temptations to laziness and workaholism, all of the obstacles and thorns and thistles that Genesis 3 brought to our work, that toil aspect to it, right? That, 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 that cultivation and creation and care will be done in ways that bring real satisfaction mm -hmm. And real glory to God and real unadulterated good to our neighbors. And that's what we have to look forward to. So this, this work is, is something that was put in us from the beginning. Mm -hmm. It's a part of our reflection of God. It's something that we do to give little snapshots of the kingdom throughout our lives. Mm -hmm. And it's something to look forward to in the end that we will continue to do without interruption or temptation for all eternity. And that, man, Mm -hmm. I love that because I love my job, but there are, there are hard parts, right? Sure. You know, yeah. people and, uh, <laughs> and, and, people. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's real life. But, but man, to think about doing, I mean, in, in all honesty, like, I don't know if I'll have a job in heaven, right? Like, yeah. do you do they have pastors, pastors in heaven? <laughs> Who knows? I'm looking for other jobs. But the reality of like what we do, that, that core mm -hmm. essential creation and cultivation, man, that's, that's wired into our DNA forever. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be a part of that, that kingdom life uh, for eternity. And I think that's the beauty of Sabbath is it's the moment to hold intention that like already and not yet. Like Sabbath is the moment at the end of each week where I can rejoice in that future hope. Like I don't, I don't need to wait for eternity to be able to taste in that satisfaction of work that was well done. And I get to enjoy and celebrate the goodness of that every single week. Like mm -hmm. that's God's gift to us yep. is it is that like weekly anticipation of the future hope. Yeah. Yeah. The, the good news of the gospel is that we can rest because the work's been done. 
Mm -hmm. Christ did all that needed to be done. And, and we can rest in that. We are, we are solid. We are secure mm -hmm. in his eternal love for us. We pray for us? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity to contemplate the value of work and the value of rest and for reminding us that we need both. Reminding us that by your design, you created us to co-labor with you shoulder to shoulder, side by side, and you designed us to pause, to breathe, to delight in the value of what we got to create. And so I pray that we as a, as a community would enter our workspaces, our vocation, Father, whether that's uh, being home with kids, whether that's coding, whether that's uh, designing, Father, that we would enter those spaces with energy and fervor to create good products and to create them for the good of other people and that we would also consider our rhythms so that we would pray that our work would serve a great purpose and remind us that we are still not God. And that Sabbath each and every week would help us delight and celebrate uh, and enjoy the work that we get to do and not need it to solve problems of identity or workaholism, Lord. I pray that that would sustain us and that we would remember that peace needs both of those. We need a vocation and we need a rest, a pause. Uh, and so I pray that we as a community would continue to live that out with faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Icon Church. For more information, go to iconchurch.org.